You're listening to the Chelsea Zerna Podcast, a podcast that inspires conscious leaders to live meaningful lives and to get in touch with the deepest parts of the human experience. My name's Chelsea Zerna, and I'm a women's empowerment coach with the mission of rewilding the feminine back into society. Each week, I have a conscious conversation with best-selling authors, inspiring leaders, and spiritual lightworkers who aren't afraid to step into the unknown and explore the greatest truths of life. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Chelsea Zerna podcast. I'm here with Selden Bayluni. She is a health coach and an energy healer. And today we're going to talk about her journey into overcoming autoimmune disorders and talking about all of the things. Selden, thank you so much for being here and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes, amazing. So I'd love to first dive in to your story. So Selden and I recently um, were in a walk in the park in Atlanta, and uh, she told me about her story and her journey of overcoming autoimmune, and I was so inspired by it. And also I was so inspired by the freedom of speech and like what you're standing up for in the world, and I think it's super incredible and like very honorable and also scary and courageous to like have a voice in the world right now when everyone's voices are getting shut off and like your story is so powerful and so potent to even have the voice and you've done a lot of research throughout your whole life because you've actually experienced this firsthand so yeah I'd love to um, just hear a little bit about your story and how you got started in all of this. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for saying that, by the way. That was really, that almost brought a little tear to my eye. That was really sweet. And, uh, well, it just captured a lot of, of sort of my mission in, in one beautiful sentence. So thank you. Um, so when I was going through puberty, this, this story goes back a long way. And it's, um, there's a lot of layers to it. So I'll kind of just, nothing is off the table when it comes to like me telling my story. So. I'll just kind of dive into all of it. Um, When I was going through puberty, I started noticing um, symptoms of what now I know as autoimmune, but at the time I didn't understand what it was. I just was exhausted all the time. My body hurt. My body was really fatigued. And, and even then, I don't even think I, I understood that my body was fatigued. It took me years to even realize that not everybody felt that way. Um, but, uh, I was exhausted. I had brain fog and the body aches and, um, I wasn't, it didn't do well in school. I had a really hard time learning and comprehending things. And, um, my mom did take me to the doctor at one point, my blood work, you know, turned out normal. And, um, they sent me to a psychiatrist, which I think is, um, not unusual, especially for the nineties back then when kids weren't really coming up with autoimmune. Um, I don't even know that they had tests or that they checked for it. Um, and so they sent me to a psychiatrist. They tested me for ADD. They told me I was depressed and they put me on prescription pills. Um, when I was the pills actually, uh, that all the diagnosis and all of that started when I was about 13. So I've been kind of living. So when you were 13, they said you had depression and ADD. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they put me on Ritalin mm-hmm. and uh, antidepressant. I think they put me on Zoloft at the time was the first one they put me on, but I was on many throughout the years. So then, um, once I started taking the Ritalin, my mind and my everything just like opened up and I couldn't believe that I had been living under this like sheath, this like fog mm. for so long. And so I felt better. I felt amazing. I felt so amazing that I wanted more, I wanted more. Yeah. And then, um, you know, by the time I was 16, I was looking for cocaine. By the time I was 17, I was on crystal meth. Wow. And and I should say, like, because I didn't feel good starting in in middle school, early middle school, um, I was already experimenting with drugs. So I was already drinking, smoking cigarettes, smoking weed. Um, taking LSD when I was very young, 
seventh or eighth grade, I was start, starting to, to play with hallucinogenics. So for was me, it's because you were given years. medicine or because you wanted to like explore deeper parts of your body? I think no, it wasn't that deep. It wasn't that deep yet. It was to escape because I felt really misunderstood and felt really lost and I didn't understand. I couldn't even articulate what was going on in my body. I just wanted to be out of it because it didn't feel yeah. good. You know what I mean? It didn't feel yeah. mentally, it didn't feel good physically. And these are all concepts and things that I know now as an adult, but as a kid, I just felt lost and sad and I was depressed. I mean, I think that was probably an accurate diagnosis, right? What caused the depression, I think, is up for debate. But, um, yeah. and you know, how it's treated, of course, I have different views on that, of course, now. But um, so, so, yeah, I spent a good amount of time in rehab. Um, I got out of rehab and, um, I graduated from high school in rehab too, which was crazy. And I learned a lot in that room. Mm. I have to say, I liked it. It was, it was an outdoor rehab called three Springs. I don't know if it's around still, but they did a lot of like, um, sort of coincided a little bit with the medicine wheel, the American Indian medicine wheel. And, um, we had like wow. sort of rituals and ceremonies and stuff. I learned how to, you know, cook my food over a fire and all this crazy stuff. <laughs> so it was cool. It was actually a good experience for me. But um, anyway, so I got out of rehab. I went back to using. Um, and I uh, you did because after rehab, it like you did a lot of that. Like, like what made you go back into using after rehab? I think what made me go back was because in the real world, nothing had changed, nothing had healed, nothing had, I still didn't, I still didn't feel good. Yeah. I still wasn't, I still didn't have energy. I still, my body still, I was still, then I was, I think I went back to taking, you know, medications and stuff. My parents didn't understand me. So that there was like this, you're lazy, it's all in your head. And when you're, you know, I know nothing against my parents. I love them dearly. They did the best they could. It was really, really hard. But to tell a child that at such a young age for so many years, it really does a lot of damage to the soul, I think, and the psyche, because you're teaching that child not to trust their own feelings and their own body signals and their own body messages. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. now what I understand, what I know now is every single time something comes up for me, that is my body and my soul trying to tell me something is up, you know? And now that I understand the work of slowing down, I can tune in and I can pay attention to those things and I can figure it out. I can get down to the root of it because now I know that my emotional body, my physical body and my soul purpose, and all these things are connected, you know? Yeah. And so at the time, I didn't know any of that stuff. I just knew I didn't feel good, and I knew everybody around me was telling me I was crazy, mm -hmm. and so I started to believe that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Oh. So um, I got really deep into the rave scene um, because I felt connected. I felt community. We were all really high all the time. So I'm sure that helped, but, um, and, and hurt at the same time. And, um, it can be very dark. I think that, that, and I mean, I think there's still raves going on. I haven't been to one in probably 25 years, so I don't know about them now, but, <laughs> um, looking back on it, it was a dark time for me. I'll just say that. Um, so I started dealing drugs and my brother um, was kind of in the other scene. He was like grateful dead fish and he actually um, had started using heroin. So when I was wow. 21, my brother died from a heroin overdose. Wow. So, yeah. So that was a big wake up call. At that time, I kind of started to shift things. I was like, I don't know if I want to go to parties anymore. I don't know if I want to be doing crystal meth. Like I got it. This is just too much, you know? And, um, so I started going to hair school, got my cosmetology license. 
I had some stuff going on at home. I was feeling disconnected from my parents, still very lost, um, still not understanding what was going on in my body and why I felt different than everybody else. And so I moved to New York and I started my career in New York as a hairstylist. Um, and whenever I was not on medication, things were always up and down. It was like I would have, you know, a good week and then I would be like down for the count the mm. next week. Or I would dip in and out of using drugs and drinking. You know, at the time when, when I was in New York, it was a lot of alcohol. I mean, a lot, a lot of alcohol and cocaine. And so I did that for many years. Um, again, trying to clean up at certain points, like I ran two marathons, I stopped drinking for a stretch of time, you know, I, my journey was like very oh. up and down. Always, it was like never. So you were able to run with your body feeling the way it was feeling? It's insane. I think I was on pure adrenaline, but at the time I was on heavy doses of speed. I was still taking prescription pills. So what awesome. happens when you take yeah. those pills, like I was taking like 80 milligrams of Dexedrine. Dexedrine is like, um, it's kind of like Vyvanse, I feel like now. Um, and 80 milligrams for somebody that's 125 pounds is like a, t it's like a lot. I mean, most people take 20 yeah. milligrams in a day, you know? Yeah. So I was just, it was just um, full burnout, you know? That's what I was mm. doing to my body, really. But I was trying to feel better, like, through the running. And I was yeah. trying to get clean. And I had this, like, I just had this... Um, I had this desire, I had this strong want and desire to be healthy, but like, I didn't really know how to get there. I didn't really have the full support system. So it was like, I would do it and then I would go back and then I would do it. And I think that this is an, I think that this is very typical for an addict's journey. You know, I mean, I never really get, I don't really like to put myself in that label. I don't really like to label myself that, but um, for those that might be listening that do, do, you know, understand addiction, this is very typical to sort of want to clean up and have certain periods where you're doing that and then go back. But the prescription pills never stopped. And I was on a lot of antidepressants as well. So everything was just math. Because yeah. when I took the pills, even though it wasn't addressing my autoimmune, it literally covered everything up. It just like took all of my mm. symptoms and just pushed them down. So I like it numbed your body, numb, 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 numbed my emotional body. I wasn't, I don't think I had dreams for years. Um, wow. Yeah. So you kind of just like, yeah, desensitized yourself to the point of not feeling. So you didn't know if you were feeling emotions, yeah. you didn't feel physical pain. And then also spiritually, you're also numb in that way. So like, as far yeah. as like your purpose and like, you know, your, your connection. Yeah. So how yeah. did you end up re cause now you're in a totally different place, but like, where did that shift? Oh gosh. So, um, so at one, at some point I moved back to Atlanta, I opened a salon here and the shift really happened when I had kids, when I was 34, I got pregnant with my daughter and I stopped taking drugs. I stopped taking everything. I mean, obviously, I stopped drinking and all of that, but I also stopped the prescription pills. Um, and uh, I, there was a part of me, I feel like, that always knew I was going to be sober and I was going to live this life of purpose, you know? And so I feel like when I got pregnant, I knew this was my chance. Like it was my opportunity to be like mm -hmm. really stepping into what I feel like I'm put here to be doing, you know? And so I kind of took, yeah. I took it really seriously. I also took it seriously because I now have a little girl that's like watching me and like emulating me and like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm raising this life. Yeah. That was like, I um I'm getting a little emotional. I didn't expect to. Um, I it was really <laughs> it was like a really precious. I, f I just saw it as like a really precious opportunity, you know. And so yeah. Uh, after I had her, um, I tried to stay off the medications, but I had a salon. I had a busy salon in Buckhead in Atlanta, 
And so for about six months, I went back on the medication and I remember holding her in my arms one day and um, I was reaching into my medicine cabinet and I was like trying to open my bottle, like get my, you know, my vibe at the time, I think I was taking Vyvanse and um, just get it in my mouth so I could just like be a mom so I could function so I could, and she's watching me and I looked at her Mm. and I put it down and I never touched it again, you know? Wow. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. I never touched it wow. again. I just got full body chills. Yeah, I know. Mm. It's crazy. And I held on to that bottle of Vyvanse for years, but I never touched it again. It was crazy. So weird, you know, like I couldn't throw it away for a long time. And with your body, did you feel, how did you get your energy to be a mother then? Because you looked at your daughter and you're like, I'm not doing this. But what was your alternative? So I, I did some crutch coffee, tons of tons of coffee. Um, but then I went on my journey. So then I, I, I took a Ayurvedic course. So I'm, a, I'm an Ayurvedic health coach as well. Um, and that was the first certification that I got. So I did a really amazing class. Um, like a six-month course in Ayurveda. So I started eating cleaner. And someone recommended it to you? Yeah. How did you just, know that that was the path? Like Ayurveda is like Indian. I was doing <laughs> yoga. I had started doing yoga re- re- pretty religiously. And I would say at this point, I had started my spiritual awakening. So I had like started to try want to meditate. I wanted to get into breath. I knew that if I didn't, do some serious drastic stuff that I wasn't gonna be able to take care of my daughter. Like it was like that. It was like Selden, yeah. if you don't like do this shit, you know what can I cuss on here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was like, if you don't do this shit like serious, like really seriously, then like you're not gonna be able and mind you, what's crazy is I still never even had a diagnosis at this point. At this point I'm like, you know, 36 or 35 or 36 and I like still didn't even know why I felt that way. I just knew that my the doctors weren't the doctors were not telling me giving me any answers ever. They never did. And I knew there was something underlying with it. I knew it wasn't just ADD and depression that never resonated with me. I never really felt yeah. like that was the bottom line. Like that's I don't think that's ever the full story. And, um, for sure. And so, you know, and so I knew that, yeah, so I just knew that I had to, I had to change. So that was sort of the beginning. And then, um, and I did a full Panchakarma, which is like an Ayurvedic cleanse. That was like a seven day cleanse. I went out to California to like kind of my guru at the time, um, and did this seven day cleanse with him that was incredible. And I started to feel okay. I mean, the thing with autoimmune is, you know, you have flares. So like, it's like you have, I would have pockets of time where I would feel great. And then there would definitely still be these pockets where I'd be just down for the count. And the thing with, I mean, back then when I wasn't feeling well, there was so much shame. There was so much shame around it. It was like the stories in my head were really, really sad. And when I think back to the way that I talked to myself when I couldn't function, it was like, what's wrong with you? You know, why can't you do all these things that everybody else can do? Like, why are you weak? Why, you know, like just so much. And um, I really feel like that self-talk fed the disease even further, you know? It's like what came from the chicken yeah. or the egg, you know, it's like, so then I got pregnant with my son and after I had my son, my neurological symptoms like went haywire. So my daughter started having symptoms. Mm-hmm. She was two and a half at the time. And, um, I can talk about the, I can go into that a little bit with my daughter, Chelsea. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I do think that my daughter was injured with a vaccine because after her um, measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, she started to have neurological symptoms as well. Spacing out, um, 
spacing out to the point I actually think she was having seizures, mini seizures. Um, she had like skin rashes all over her body. She had a tick, like an uncharacteristic sort of high pitched laugh that she had developed that was very strange. She had um, like constant uh, strep infections. Um, that How old was not... she when she got the vaccine? She was two and a half. I did have her on a delayed schedule. Um, but by the time my son was born, it was like everything exploded. It was like, okay, <laughs> like my daughter got sick. Now I had a new baby and my lupus flares, like my own personal autoimmune, like went crazy too. So I was having really huge memory lapses, um, and confusion, like really bad mm -hmm. confusion where I like, I didn't know what was happening day to day. I didn't, I couldn't keep up with schedule. I couldn't keep... I was like having really bad insomnia, heart palpitations, um, hand and arm wow. tingling and numbness. Yeah. And I would have like tingling up my back and then sort of into my head. Um, I mean, so many things, so many things. And then plus the body aches, the fatigue, all of that got worse. So we went on this pretty extreme diet called GAPS, which is like, it's called the gut and psychology syndrome is what it stands for. And I really started doing it more for my daughter because, to be honest, she was she was my biggest concern. And now what I know about the adrenals and the nervous system, I was never in a balanced state of mind. And so I actually think at the time I probably made things worse because I wasn't in any kind of condition to be, you know, uh, trying to do this extreme, it just was, it was a lot for anyone to take on and then throw yeah. on top of it the fact that I was also sick. And, um, I also had nervous system dysregulation. So I was in, I was just in fight or flight because my kid was sick yeah. and I was freaking out and I didn't know how to help her. And also I was getting gaslit with her as well. She's fine. Nothing wrong. Every kid gets skin from the doctors, rashes. from the doctors and my family, and my family. Wow. Yeah. People were saying nothing's family. wrong. So the women, my mom and my and my the, the couple of the women that were like walk, like helping me saw it, but yeah, they would literally say, like. It's fine. It's no big deal. Like she's wow. fine. And they'd be like, well, we notice it, but it's like not a big deal. Mm. Like she'll be fine. Oh wow. And a mother's like intuition is so strong. It's almost like the theme. It's like. <laughs> I was like starting to question myself, you know? Yeah. Because like, I was still already dealing with my own cognitive dissonance about my own body. And so yeah. now I'm taking on hers. Oh, my God. Am I crazy? Like, maybe I am crazy. Like, maybe she's not really. And then one day she had a full-blown seizure in front of me. Wow. And, of course, I was the only one who saw it. So they even questioned me on that, which was insane. And... um. But we oh, went, we got her tested. I mean, the thing with seizures is if they aren't having a seizure, like when they get tested, then it doesn't show up. So we went on this whole protocol um, for her and for me. Um, and some things got better. Some things got worse. Um, we. And at this point, you still don't know that you have lupus, right? This one, I still don't know I have lupus. So then I have a girlfriend in my ear about switching diets. She's like, you're eating too much fat. You're eating too much protein. Um, it's not working. And I was like, I don't know how to get her off the diet, though, because if I introduce other foods back, I feel like she gets worse. I mean, at this point, I was kind of like, I was just like trying to keep her stable, you know? Yeah. And so... Um, she was like, I think you need to read medical mediums books. And I was like, okay. So I finally read his books and I start shifting our diet around a little bit. I start like going a little bit back into just like, I was just trying to get to a normal place where we could like 
eat grains, eat, you know, maybe even eat a little bit of protein still. Like now I'm a vegan, but for my kids, like it was just like, I just wanted a normal, like maybe keep the gluten and the dairy and the high inflammatory foods out. But like, that's all I wanted. I was so desperate. And so we kind of started shifting. And in this time, she started to really stabilize. I think she now three years has passed. So she's like, you know, I feel like kind of growing out of some things. There were some huge things. Like, I don't want to go into her whole story because I kind of want to keep this more about mine. But like, there were some huge things. We started, we went to an integrative doctor. We found some major things she was allergic to that were in her diet, eggs being one of them. We found out she had, she had a deep strep infection in her gut that was, we think, signaling to the, going into the brain and like causing her to have pandas symptoms. Pandas is like a childhood, basically a strep infection that goes to the secondary, like it goes to the brain basically and kids start having like OCD ticks, like all the same symptoms anyway. And so there were some things that happened with her that we were able to resolve. And then I started sort of shifting the diet. So at this time, my cousin, who's a PA, was like, Selden, have you ever been to, because I still was like, I'm just tired all the time. And my, you know, my, I didn't even know my body hurt. I just, like, I knew what I was living with, but I didn't know, I still didn't really understand or make the connection that not everybody was like feeling like that completely. Mm, That makes sense. Like, it's like I did and I didn't, there was, there was such a just like, a disillusionment like around that, you know? Anyway, my cousin was like, I think you need to go to an endocrinologist. And I was like, funny, I've literally never been to one. I've been to neurologists and I've been to like just a regular doctor, but I've never gone to like another specialist. So I found this woman online and it took a year for me to get in with her. Oh my God. I was like, I want to go to a woman because I don't want, to be gaslit, I'm sorry, I hate to say, make that stereotype, but it did seem like the men were very um, prone to gaslight the women, you know. I still yeah. think that's true. Um, so I wanted a woman. I read all of her reviews, and it was like she listened to me. She understood mm. me. She took me seriously, and I was like, this is who I want. I waited a year for her. Oh it was the best decision I ever made. So I went to her and uh, she did. She sat with me for like an hour. I mean, a real like medical doctor, like sitting with you for an hour is unheard of. So she did some blood work on me. I had. That's why she has a year long wait list. That's so incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like my heart is just like, ah, it makes me actually tear up hearing that because that's like so needed in the industry. So needed. Yes. Yeah. So she was like, I really think you need a rheumatologist. So she sends me to her friend, same experience. So amazing. Sat with me, listened to me, believed me. But the thing is, is when they ask this question, do your bones hurt? Like, do your do your joints and stuff hurt? My initial answer was no. Yeah. And they were, I was like, well, but I mean, sometimes when I stand up, like, my hips and my knees are, like, really stiff. I can't, like, fully extend them. It takes me a while to fully stand up. I said, but that's normal. And they were like, no, that's not, that's not normal. Only if you're 80 is that normal. And I was like, Really? And I was like, well, I do have this like sort of underlying ache in my, in my like muscles and stuff, but that's normal mm. too. Right. And they were like, no, they were like, no. And I, and honestly, my mind was kind of blown. It was like, they were asking me really specific questions that nobody really did. And yeah, I just couldn't believe that the things that I had been living with since I was literally a teenager, younger, were not what everybody was like walking around with. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me like, oh, this is why like I've been complaining, but like Mm. just the narrative that like you're fine really was like, (sighs) yeah, it really like it got in there, you know, it really got in there. And so uh, anyway, she did blood work on me and it was like flying colors lupus. And it was like, and what was, what's Mm. crazy is, is that, um, I lost my train of thought, but 
it just it's just the whole thing that the whole thing just that it was so obvious and so easy for her to find um and how many years it took yeah to find it yeah that's so wild and you know you tell like every time I hear your story the last time I heard it and right now I just get this like fire within and it's just like rising up and I'm like there are so many people on this planet right now that have depression and they are prescribed medication which suppresses the system suppresses the emotions and it it doesn't underlyingly target the issue and it gets yeah. me even like every time I hear this it's just like I don't know what it is but there's this fire inside to be like ah like it, it just yes. like creates this there's yes. so many people in this world that are just getting thrown medication here and there. And then hearing your story at 13, being prescribed medication, getting addicted to it, and then watching it spiral in your 20s and in your 30s. It's like, it, it's like wow, like there are so many people mm-hmm. in this world that are experiencing that exact same thing right now. And it just continues yes. to happen over and over. And like, this is this story, like it just makes me really want to speak out on this. And I love hearing you share it. It's so needed. Macro level. It's like, there's a micro gaslighting and pushing down and a suppression happening, but there's a micro that happens as well. You know, it's like, don't talk. You're fine. Follow orders, you know, get in line, suppress your emotion. It's just, it's so toxic. It's so needs. End. It needs to end, and um, I'm yeah. It's nothing fires me up more than than hearing you know hearing people not you know just just being fed this line that like everything's okay. Turn your head, you know, like yeah. But yeah, so yep. uh, And just trust the doctors. Don't ask questions. Like, that's the other thing. A lot of people are just like, oh, my doctor said it. I trust them. It's like, oh, my teacher said it. I trust my teacher. Oh, this person said it. It's like, yeah, but... But like, what about listening to yourself? If it's not in alignment, what about going deeper and actually listening? It's like, you know how many times science has been disproved? It's like, how can you possibly say that a, like a, 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 the, you know? All the time. I mean, the thing with science is it's constantly changing. It's constantly changing. If we're not constantly changing, you know, it's always evolving. I mean, and the thing is, is like, you know, when I really, when I really wanted to get to the root, because of the, oh, I know what I was going to say before. And I lost my train of thought. The crazy thing was my, my lupus, my blood tests were so high and I was on a very clean diet. So a lot of people with autoimmune, when they cut the inflammation, the high inflammatory foods out of their diets, they heal. For some people, that's enough. For me, that wasn't the case. And so, and so this is going to like drive our point home even further, Chelsea, is that like, you know, then I was like, okay, now I have a label. And I was actually really happy I had that label. I needed that label. You know, a lot of people will come to me and they'll be like, but do I need to get tested? Do I need to go to the doctor? And I'm like, does your support system at at home rely on that label? Because I needed to say to my family, like, this is real, you know, this has been happening to me for so long. Like, so, so anyway, so I, I went home and I was like, and also with that label though, then you can, you can listen to other people's stories and dive into their treatments and really get super, super clear on what would work for you based on the yeah. thousands of other people that also have it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there was so much, I felt like with that label, I could, I could do more. I felt like I was going to be taken more seriously. I felt like, and that might not be everybody's story, but for me, it was a huge part of it because nobody believed me otherwise, you know? So anyway, so then I started to really go into my soul journey because I was like, it's not just the food. Like the food, yes, I changed my diet over even more and started juicing and started detoxing and started, you know, doing all of that. But what's crazy is right around, so I started praying hard. I want to know at the bottom line, like what is the root of, because at that point I was still having flares, even though they were less, I was still having them. 
So I was going through a divorce at the time. And I had found some information out about my ex that was like heartbreaking. And we had actually already split. We were separated. I was already living. We were living separate, separated. And I got so like heartbroken over this information that I literally experienced the worst flare of my life. So like wow. it didn't have anything to do with food. Didn't have anything to do with the toxic chemical. It didn't have anything to do with like an emotional hormone. It was an emotional Mm. and it took me out. And it was like the shame talk, the depression, the like, it just spiraled for two weeks. I couldn't function. And um, I didn't know if I was even going to come out of it. It was like that bad. And Mm. um, at that point, and I needed that to happen because at that point I was like, oh, this is connected to my emotional this this part of lupus for me yeah has to do emotional like the emotional stuff like what is this and so then it was like okay like you know all the things like uh abandonment rejection um you know all my inner child Mm -hmm. stuff you know and I was going to a healer at the time and so we dug deep into like where's what is the roots and that's really when like my my big emotional spiritual journey just took off after that and so then i started like i was like okay i want to become a reiki master did that and um yeah. and then then i really and and i shifted my mind frame around like lupus i mean even though that label was so good for me now i really feel like and i still use it i still you know it's still part of my story but now i feel like when I have something come up, if I have something come up, which now is pretty few and far between, I can go, this is, this is my trigger. And this was, this is my body's response to it. And then I'm Mm -hmm. actually able to get out of it really fast. I'm actually, and if I can't, if I need like a day to recover, then I do my work and I take my day and I recover and then I'm able to bounce back. So it's not this like spiral of shame and guilt and all this stuff. It's more like, okay, this was what happened. Let's get what, what's the real cause, right? Cause let's say I, let's say mm-hmm. I get triggered by a friend and my abandonment wound gets triggered or something like that. And then you know, and then I can re I can yeah. go, okay, well, this, this is why I have this. And this is because what happened was on this journey, I started remembering, I started, then I started asking even more questions, asking for my dreams to come back online. So I started having memories and dreams of, a, of an abuse that I had when I was like four years old. And to be honest, I think it all goes back to that. I think every- Wow. Oh my God. Yes. So when you were four years old, had this huge scenario happen that that maybe your body, your memory suppressed, shut your body down, and then you were diagnosed with ADD because you were trying to suppress everything. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. And and that led to an entire spiral of, yes. Yeah. And I do think that we, I mean, I'm not going to discount the you know, the toxic load that my body took on just living in this world, right? And the, and the, um, you know, the fact that the food, I mean, all of it matters, all of it matters, right? Heavy metals matters, toxins matter, the GMOs, the, you know, the, the toxic cosmetics, like all these things were being flooded with toxins. So I can't like, but our traumas too, you can't, it's like, once you start to open up, I feel like spiritually and you're, you start to really clean the body out, the spirit gets cleaner, the soul like comes back online. You start to get, you know, more in touch and have better communication with your higher self, you start to get these downloads. So then you got, you are able to do this, this trauma work. It's just like, it's an all encompassing journey, you know? And so, um, that's yes. what I try to teach. 
That's what I try to teach. Oh my God, it's so powerful. It's so powerful <laughs> and literally so needed. Like really, yeah. like our underlying traumas and the things that are just like emotionally keeping us stuck and stagnant manifest as dis-ease in the body. Yes. And then doctors yes. don't know how to diagnose it because it's emotional and doctors are not trained to work with emotions. Actually, doctors are so in the mind, which is beautiful, so much logic that they're actually not attuned to the emotions at all. And so when people yeah. discredit science and then when people discredit, you know, therapy or um, like emotional healing work, they're actually like yeah. missing, like they both have to come together and meet in the middle. And I Absolutely. literally think that is the new earth, like the yes, medicine of the new earth. A hundred percent. You know, yes. that's the feminine coming back, you know, this listening to the body yes. and, you know, and my current work is in the nervous system and the adrenals because for so long, I think I wasn't feeling and getting to that next level because I was in such a state of fight or flight. And that's that sort of masculine energy of like, you know, do, you know, yeah. go, 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 push, 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 push your body, even though it doesn't feel good. Take this pill, you know, just like go and achieve and all this crap. And it's like, I just made myself sicker, right? Yeah. Um, once the adrenaline floods the body, and now I understand that really well too. Um, you know, you can't heal, you can't learn, you can't, your body's in survival stress, you know? And so, um, anyway, so I do a lot of work on that too, really, because with trauma wow. comes a dysregulated nervous system. And yeah. when the dysregulated the nervous system is dysregulated, it's, really hard to heal and I see all these people detoxing and dieting and doing all these crazy things to try to heal 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 but they're missing this like huge piece of slowing down listening tuning in being super aware um, of all these little moments it's almost more important for you to get that just in a really good place before you do these crazy diets. Everyone I find in, cause autoimmune people with autoimmune are so eager to heal. They'll do anything. So they go so extreme, so hard, so fast. And it can be detrimental. It can actually work against you. And I do think that that happened with me and maybe with my daughter, you know? So wow. that's a big part mm. of it too. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many layers. <laughs> Gosh, I want to like acknowledge you for sharing this story and just like fully owning all parts of your story and just like really diving into heal because a lot of people don't get to this place. Honestly, a lot of people in the world just like don't make it out of the spiral and yeah. like you are now teaching it, which I think is like when you reach the place of getting out of your own story or like like healing from it, then the next step is like teaching it. And then yes. it's really healing it. It's like integrated wisdom that you can share and help heal the world, which I think sometimes is why we're given these traumas and these things. It's like, okay, oh, can yeah. one person then heal thousands and thousands of people with yes. their journey? You Absolutely. Know? I mean, the thing is, like, when this virus is hit in 2020, I knew immediately. I was like, oh, I know what's happening here. <laughs> like, I just like, I think a lot of us did that have like been on this road of like healing and stuff. It's just, uh, there's such a calling right now for us to go back to nature, but go back to our bodies. And um, there's some of us who really see it. Those of us yeah. who have been sick and have been on a healing journey can really see what's playing out here. And, um, and those who have kind of never had to deal with anything like that or have been indoctrinated and sort of stuck in the system might not ever see it, sadly. But I think as cra the crazier things get with, with the restrictions and the mandates and the this and the that and the you have to take this and, you know, it doesn't matter what your body tells you, you, you can or can't, you know, you have, and, and look, I am all for somebody taking something if they feel they need it, you know, because I work at a treatment center now and a lot of the patients that I work with, you know, they, they, they're, they need some medication for a certain, I think 
it's always good to have it for a certain period of time. You know, I, yeah. I love the healing work, obviously the healing work, but if I want the choice not to have to take it, then I would never say to somebody else, you know, that you shouldn't take it. You know, I'm all about safety. I'm all about listening and having personal right to choose what, how you heal, when you heal, yeah. you know, and, and, and who you turn to, to guidance. Yeah, exactly. And being really well informed and being able to talk about it, having conversation. The censorship is just, yeah, to me, so telling. It's so telling, you know? Yeah. Like not being able to ask questions, speak your voice, like have chats without the government deplatforming people for having any sort of questioning. It's a repression of the feminine, the voice of the feminine. And like, Absolutely. literally, this is like a, like a worldwide thing of, you know, the masculine wants to, it, like, we have masculine feminine energies within. So our inner masculine, right, even within all of us, wants to overshadow right. the intuitive voice and be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. This isn't right. Follow the protocol. And the inner voice is like, but what about this? Like, wait, wait, what about the infinite right. options that there are besides the one option you're prescribing right. for the entire population? What about like the right. uniqueness of every single individual? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Every person's story, every person's, you know, yeah. I mean, it is, uh, it's crazy what's happening, you know, and, and to me, the biggest problem is, is that we can't talk about it. That's so, yeah. it's really, you know, that's the hardest um, thing. I feel you. Thing. Yeah. It's the hardest thing. And the gaslighting, you know, there are people who look with every medication, I don't care what it is. There are side effects. There are adverse reactions. They happen. Yeah. They're real. And these poor people who are be getting gaslit, I like it's such a trigger for me. You know, I can f I feel that so much because it's like they're actually experiencing pain, they're experiencing symptoms, mm. and nobody will help them. People, you know, doctors are discounting them, and um, you know, and there I sh I don't want to I don't want to say there's not good doctors out there because I think there there are plenty. Um, but for the most part, I think a lot of are afraid to speak up. They're afraid. Totally. You know? They're afraid to lose their jobs, which they spent so much money getting the degree, then right. paying all this malpractice insurance. And now they're in the state where they can't speak up. They don't even have a voice because they right. will get fired and all of that investment will go down the drain. So there's also this like mm -hmm. pressure to conform. And so it's not up to the doctors to speak. Actually, it's actually up to the people who are, are us because we aren't going to lose our jobs doing it. We have to say right. something because they won't. And, and, and th because they're actually getting paid to keep their jobs, right? Like they like the way they keep their jobs is by doing it and, and speaking up, like you have to have a lot of courage or you have to have yeah. a lot of unattachment to keeping your job which a lot of people, they really don't want to lose their jobs. And so it's like, well, what about the, and then now they just, you know, mandated that every single company that has over a hundred employees has to um, comply or get fired. So now it's like a world, it's actually the perfect storm though. It's like, how far yeah. can you go to shut people's voices off before there's this, almost like this like bubble expanding and then all of a sudden it pops, you know, like you blow up a balloon. Yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah, right? And it's not even about the vaccine or not. It's like, how do we speak our voices? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like every time they push one more thing, more people wake up though. That's what I kind of love about it, you know? And it's like, you know, I just, from a personal perspective, when this happened, I was like, oh, I was like, this is my purpose. I mean, like this really, I was like, whoa, I was like this, my whole story, everything that happened, yeah. boom, it's like, boom, right in my face. Like, this is why it happened, Selden. This is your time to use your voice. I mean, from the, like two years ago, mm, I kept hearing this, like, <laughs> learn how to speak, learn how to speak, learn how to speak, learn how to speak. I mean, I did a lot of work on my throat chakra and on my abandonment wound because once I started to speak, people were abandoning me like left and right, you know? And yeah. I had to get to a point where I was like, it's okay. I, you know, it, it's not gonna, 
It's not going to change yeah. what I'm saying. It's not, they can cancel yeah. me a million times. They can, sh- they can shadow ban me. They can take my followers away. I'm going to keep talking about it, you know? And I think a lot mm-hmm. of us feel that way. And yeah. um, because of that, we have a chance, I think, you know, and actually, yeah. you know, making, making a, um, a change. That yeah, needs for happen. sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think it starts here and it's already started with like cryptocurrency. That's a huge revolution. I think it's going to yep. happen in our education systems now. Like why are we actually mm-hmm. sending our kids to the, the schools we've been sending them to and like questioning each of these systems in the world. And so we get yeah. to this place where we are so questioning everything and being like, well, what does this new earth look like? And like there are people all over the world right now having these conversations everywhere and like there are people who are resisting it too. There's people who are like in the government, like we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to happen. And then there's other people that are like, it's time for a change, you know? And it's finally like, yeah. And we all are motivated enough to do it now. And we're all like capable of doing it. We don't need the same systems that we've had. We're, we're capable of living the way that like, you know, in sovereignty really. And like being, you know, like there's a lot of people growing their own food and instead of mass producing things into a factory, squeezing it out the other side and being like, this is a hot dog. Like, what is that? You know, we could go into so many directions, but it's like, oh, totally. (laughs) It's on so many different levels, you know, it's like you see it everywhere and all different. Yeah. I mean, I'm going up against a little bit uh, of my, my kids school you know with the mass and the because my ex is sort of he's really supportive actually I so I, I he's amazing and I um I'm so happy that he's the father of my children but he's definitely not as in this on this side of things as I am but he does support what I'm doing with the school um but if it were up to me they would be being homeschooled I'll just say that right but he's supporting me um in my efforts to get rid of the mass I mean it's like you know, they talk about the importance of, of facial expressions, yet they're covering them up. You know, it's like the second you put a covering on your two air pa- air oxygen pathways, your body is going into fight or flight. How do you learn? How do you retain information when yeah. your your system is in survival stress, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but like... <sighs> connecting with other children which is a big point of going to school yeah like social yes the school is like that's why we that's why we chose this school I mean that's their biggest message is connection and empathy and compassion mm. you know they worked with the Dalai Lama and this this program called sea learning and like to, to and so I wrote a letter to the school I was like you know these are the principles that you guys that are vital in your community and these are the things, these are the things that I think, you know, need to be looked at yeah. because of this and covering of this, you know, I said, where's the connection? How do the, how do the kids know how to read, especially yeah. like five, four, five, six year olds, you know? Yeah. Um, and so whether anyways, like, yeah. you know, whether the, the, the masks help or not, it's more of like this worldwide adoption without questioning of what is the best solution to help our our people actually prevent this? And for some reason, this thing was subscribed and everyone said, oh, cool. This is it. This is the answer. When actually like it's actually like there are so many others, but no one's allowed to talk about it to even get to something else. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you know, the thing is, is like they might come back and tell me, that they've had such low cases in the school and it's because of the masks. But I would question them and say, and fire back and say, you don't know that, you know, take, take the masks off a couple of classrooms and then do a comparison. You know, you <laughs> can make an experiment not, with the children. They not have had things. And, and, but that's also it. It's like, you don't know the long-term effects of this. You don't know the long-term effects of this. So, so you're, so my child now right. is a guinea you know, and I don't want my child, I don't want my child up to be, the you know. Yeah. And what I always love to say is correlation doesn't always lead to causation. And it's, it's almost like in your story, it's like, 
you know, the trauma happens at around four years old that caused an entire 20 year cycle. And we never know how, what impact this is having on children right now, like what trauma this is causing right now that could last and put people to the exact same cycle, commit, you know, suicide, depression, lack of connection. The biggest thing that leads to depression is lack of connection. And so now we're bringing people yeah. into the cycle. It's like, huh, interesting. Yeah. We're doing it in all these different ways, just cutting off connection, cutting off. I mean, suicide rates were up. I don't know the stats, but it's like alarming right now what's happening, you know? Um, And they don't talk about that. They don't talk about that. But I will say I do recognize that there is an illness. I do recognize that people are getting sick, you know. Um, I definitely don't want to leave this podcast. Yeah, the situation's real, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, But like you said, there are other ways we could have spent the last 18 months teaching people how to take care of themselves. I mean, if we can get an entire, you know, world population to put masks on their face, can we not teach them how to take vitamin C, move their bodies, get sunlight and eat better? You know what I mean? It's like, where do we, we had this amazing opportunity to make a health change and the direction that we went, although I'm not surprised by it. cover it up. It covers, it suppresses, it, it, yeah. The symbology was like, cover your mouth, you know, don't speak, actually, let's put a mask over it, right? It's like, cover your mouth, don't say anything. Exactly. I mean, how it's been used as psychological warfare since the beginning of time. I mean, let's not yeah. kid ourselves, right? Yeah. Look at Saudi Arabian women. I mean, that's not a mistake. <laughs> you totally. Know? Yeah. And so now we're here. And for everyone listening to this podcast, maybe you're super triggered right now. And welcome all of those emotions, really, like sit with those and just be with it. And that's okay. And if you want to point them at me or Selden, that's also your choice. But I also, I will take this as a moment to be like, where's that coming from? And, 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 and it's not about pointing fingers outwards, because that's what we're doing as a society. And that's also a reason that people aren't speaking up. They're scared to have the finger pointed at them. But if we're all taking responsibility for our own emotions and being like, okay, you're allowed to have that opinion. You're allowed to have that opinion. I'm allowed to have this opinion. Now, how can we make the world a better place with all of our opinions? And it's okay to be triggered. And it's okay to express the emotion and also to take responsibility for it. Because that's really at the end of the day, like what we all need to do as a collective. And these conversations are going to happen all over the world. And like, I thank you for sharing your story. And I'm really glad that we ended up turning the the podcast into this direction, although I didn't know we would be. But you spark a lot of like speaking out within me that I'm just like, all right, I'm activated. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I'm so grateful. And for everyone listening, like, I hold space for you to express your opposite opinion. And I want to hear it. And I'm open to anything. Like, I'm, I'm so down to listen. And, and through that listening of the opposite side, that's how we actually find truth. Like, being so open-minded on one end and then also so open-minded on the other end, then we can actually, when we have no preference, that's when we actually reach... And like technically enlightenment, right? Like like on the on the scale, you start with needs, wants, desires, preferences, no preferences. And when we can reach that state of having no preference, that's when the truth actually emerges so naturally. Mm, I love that. Yes, mm-hmm. that was amazing. Thank you for bringing it back there. Yeah, I can get activated too. <laughs> Oh my God, whatever it is between us, like every time I'm with you, I'm like, I feel this charge inside and I'm like, oh my God, it's just like, yes, like you are like a walking, breathing example of like your story is so potent and I'm like, wow, it just makes me want to just stand up for that story, even though I haven't experienced that in my life. I'm just like, yes, like this is everything. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you. That's why I'm telling it. So I'm I'm so happy that that I'm able to and that you super grateful you gave me the platform to say it freely and to feel um honored in this space cuz that's what it's all about, right? Yeah. yeah. So 
Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And if you could just leave everybody with like one last just like message for how they could potentially, if they're going through something like this, like what is the one thing that was like your saving grace? Hmm. Um, Trusting my body, trusting myself again, um, learning how not to outsource my power learning that my body, my signals, my symptoms, every single symptom that I've had, physical, emotional, whether it be anxiety, anything, is my body communicating to me something. It's, it's, that is my body's communication, you know? And so um, I guess understanding that and, and learning how to just open up that pathway um, for communication between our body signals, our soul, and our purpose, and um, unlock those traumas and all of that, all of that stuff is um, is kind of my message. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's the body signals are so are so 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 important. You know, <sighs> they're so they're telling us something all the time. Mm-hmm. So just to tune into that and slow down and um, learn how to to read that. Is that good? Beautiful, (laughs) Selden. Thank you so much for being here and thank you for sharing your story. And for everybody listening, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you resonate. And um, we look forward to hearing from you guys soon. Thanks for listening.